Welcome to the Homie Hut Podcast. I'm your host, John Facundo. And on this show, I shoot the breeze with some of my friends about their everyday lives. Some of them have managed to go on to do some pretty cool stuff. I'm talking to regular people who sometimes go on to do extraordinary things. So kick back, listen in, and enjoy the show. This is the Homie Hub Podcast. Yvonne, how's it going, man? Good, good, good. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast, man. Appreciate it. No problem. So let's give a little bit of your background. Ivan mm-hmm. Dominguez, affectionately known as the Cuban Missile, is a former professional road cyclist and a bad, bad man on the bike. <laughs> you were born in Havana, Cuba. Mm-hmm. You came to the United States in 1998. Prior to that, you won a gold medal at the Pan American Games um, on the track for Cuba. Mm-hmm. Part of the Cuban national team. Right. And then 2000, via the Elite Amateur Cycling Science uh, Racing Team, you started your professional career. And then you were offered a spot on the infamous Saturn Professional Cycling Team. From there, you went to Colavita Oil, then HealthNet, mm-hmm. then Toyota United. In 2008, you went to Rock Racing, and then Fuji Cervetto, European team. Right. And Franco MRI. Right. You were a bad man in the sprints. Uh, you winning stage seven of the 2007 Tour of California. Right. That's awesome, man. Let me see what else you got. You, I mean, you uh, when I look at your, on Wikipedia, I look at all your wins. Yeah. I mean, there's way too many to list here, bro. <laughs> yeah, no, the, you know, it's funny because the other day, um, someone asked me, they needed my race. They want me to send my resume. I think it was a company that I was talking about closing and stuff like that. Um, uh, well, first I need to update the Wikipedia stuff. I had to find the time to... Yeah, because there's some things there that I don't like. I didn't create that Wikipedia page. I didn't know who did. I think it was a Franco people, I think. So it's hard for me to add things after Franco. Uh, you know, I went on, I, after that, I went into like uh, master in helping kids and things like that when I was raising for them for uh, the Monster Media team. Then I got into professional triathlon and all this stuff. So I need to update that page. So I have to find the time. But anyway, someone asked me about my resume and I said, well, go online. And they sent me a link. They have like things. They're not even in my resume, but somehow this, uh, this page find all the data from way back in Cuba. And they have it there. And I'm like, wait, what? What the heck? I'm missing all this stuff in my resume. So, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have to kind of update that stuff, you know, take the time. I probably mail, uh, get in contact with Wikipedia and see if they can work on it. You know, I think you pay like whatever you want to pay and go from there. So, speaking of Cuba, take us back to the early days and how it all started for you. Uh, it was, you know, I was 13 when I started. Uh, I was in high school. And then there's a, co- a guy, he, a coach, obviously. 
he before that I was in I was all about sports. I went mm. to polo, track and field, basketball, volleyball, baseball, football, you name it. I was all into that. And then when I was uh, 13 and a half, uh, a guy came to my school uh, looking for kids. They want to become cycling, cyclists. And then I was one of the guys that I was interested in. Um, actually, the guy lives in Miami. We get along really well. He's basically the one who found me, you know, and put me on the right track because if that was from for him, I would probably won't be here, you know. Mm. Um, I always like it to ride bikes, but I didn't know anything about re getting recruited or anything like that. So, uh, so yeah, he's in Miami. You know, we talk here and there. Uh, when I go to Miami, I see him and we hang out, or I see him on the group ride or whatever. Um, so yeah, and then yeah, he came to my school asking for you know looking for kids, and then I kind of. I um, told him that, yeah, I was interested. The next day I show up in a place that he needed. He wanted everyone to meet and then show my ID because they need to, they want to make sure that you're the right age and things like that. Um, and then, uh, yeah, that's how I started. Yeah. And so you were, you were a sports kid then it sounds like you did all kinds of sports. You were like, so I assume you were really good and you stood out um, for him to come and like pick you obviously right well you know when he came to school he he didn't know anything about the kids that he was getting to just yeah okay i want to do it then down the road that's when he starts seeing who's going to be really good or not um from the group the from my school i believe there was about i would say 15 guys they signed up for him and then wow. after three, yeah, 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 like 50, 20 guys. And after three months, four months, it was only one of my friends and myself. The other ones, they all quit. Yeah. Well, you know, in Cuba, there's not much to do. So at that age, a lot of the kids, they want to be going to party, hanging around on the street until like three o'clock in the morning, stuff like that. Uh, and somehow cycling felt like a way for me to... I don't know. It feels really cool to be riding bikes and things like that. Um, so kind of stick to it with another friend of mine. Um, they usually kind of like, I would say like three, four miles from my place. And then, yeah, he will come to my place in the morning, like six o'clock in the morning, then to pick me up. Then we will go riding. We would ride all the way to the place that we needed to go train. There was also another three, four miles away. So, and coming back home, the same thing. So we were like, together basically for like two, three years doing that thing. And to, and to I went into a different direction, like they, I, I start winning races and then there's an institute in Cuba for athletes, like young athletes. They, if you got recruited by then, you just have to go and live there. My friend then got to that point, he kept riding. He was good, but not that good. He was very dedicated, but he was never that good you know yeah. um so he was kind of like halfway you know um so i think that kind of got him out of the sport um yeah. it was bad because i mean the kid was like man he was so dedicated he would never miss a training day he would put more than me like 150 percent but you know 
those people you see it all the time. They, you know, they go and they go and they go and, and you know, they try and they try and they try and nothing happened, you know. Um, uh, yeah. So it was hard for him to actually get into the junior national team and stuff like that. Uh, but he tried. He tried. He he never, you know, he tried all the way into the end. So you had, you had uh, obviously some natural talent that they saw. And so then combined with your work ethic, they kind of pushed you towards a little bit more with the team. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was very dedicated to when I jumped into cycling and I started liking it. I was like, man, this is pretty cool. So I was mm-hmm. not missing a day of training. I was very dedicated. And then I obviously, I saw a way of, you know, uh, making uh, my life doing that, basically. Um, and then, you know, you start learning about the elite national team, how much they travel and things like that. And I'm like, yeah, I want to be like those guys. Uh, and I used to see them. I used to see them riding by and I'm like, man, they look so cool. The national team all dressed the same thing with the Cuban colors, whatever, you know. I'm like, that's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, years, I think two years later, three years later, I was riding with those guys. I was one of them, you know, so. Nice, man. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I assume at that point you, they determined that you were a sprinter. Was it then or did you, were you just trying to develop an all-around game at that point? Yeah, I was actually an all-around rider. Uh, but in Cuba, in, when you jump into cycling Cuba, they tend to drive you into the track for team pursuit, uh, individual pursuit, marathon, stuff like that. Um Honestly, and I hate sprinting, hate it, right? I, I hate to be bumping and stuff like that. But when you race on the track for so long, you kind of develop that kind of speed. You yeah. know, they can go 70, 70K an hour and you're still there riding like, okay, this is nothing, you know? I mean, not nothing, but it's easy. Right, right, right. So because you have that kind of speed from the track. So Back in Cuba, I was not a sprinter. I was more like an all-around rider. I used to climb with a climber sometimes in like a really hard stages. Um, I used to get dropped too. And I, I was winning road races. I was winning Criterium. I was winning on the track. So I was kind of like all around. But my coach decided to bring me more into the track. And as I, I became really good at the uh, individual pursuit and team pursuit. Point races... Eh, so, so, Madison, so, so, I was more like a 4K individual and 4K, 3, 4K individual, 3, 4K team pursuit. Um, and obviously on the road, because I was doing a lot of road racing when I was there, when mm-hmm. I was there, because to get you ready for the track racing. So, but when I came to US, uh, uh, I didn't, yeah. Uh, they thought, yeah, you're a sprinter because I was winning the sprints, but not because I was actually a real sprinter. You know, there was a lot of guys faster than me here in the U.S., a lot of them. But I guess I was making it to the finish a lot better than them. All the years of the track racing actually came through at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about your transition to the U.S. How was it to adapt to the new culture, um, specifically in cycling? Was it different? I assume it was. Because every country has their own sort of standard for cycling. It was very different. Uh, but somehow I got used to it really quick. Uh, because when you race on the track as a team pursuit, you depend a lot on your teammates. Um, you know, you have to work together with your teammates. So it was really quick for me to turn. Plus, I, 
when I start racing here, I start seeing how people race. In Cuba, I don't know now, but back then, anyway, before, um, it was really hard. Uh, Cuba was more like, a, uh, like if I have teammates, they have to work for me to win the race. It was really hard to find those guys. Not to find it, they were there, but they would not do it because it's a stupid way of federation thinking is everybody need to get results. It doesn't mm. work that way. And what happened, um, I think now it changed, but they, back then, I I saw guys, they were like on the prime time and they were getting fired by the mm. federation. Oh, you don't have any wind. Well, I'm working for the guys. What win do you want me to get? But they don't see it that way. They're like, oh, you don't have any, you don't have any results. You're getting old. I'm like, no, I'm not old. I mean, they will never say that. But they're like, how can you gonna fire this guy that's been working for me all year long? Of course he's not gonna win a race. Right. And then it was a lot of back and forth with this stuff because I saw big arguments about it, you know. Uh, people like riders getting really upset because they were getting fired in the prime time. When I said the prime time for for Cuba, now it's different. But back then, twenty five years old, you were you mm. were old. They were looking mm-hmm. at if you spend one year with no results or kind of riding so so or you're old. Dude, I'm twenty six years old, twenty five years old. How can you say that I'm old? Right, <laughs> right. You know, so yeah, it is it's a way of communist uh, Russian mentality thinking. You know, so. Um, and that kind of put a lot of guys out of contention because, you know, they, they think they were old and things like that. So, yeah, I got used to the, to that racing style here that, you know, you have guys working for you and they will give everything. And then if I win, they win, you know, mm-hmm. and, the, and the directors and the owner of the team will see that as a big win. You got hired to work for this guy. You don't get hired to win races. If you win a race, perfect. It's a plus. Right. But your job is to help this guy to make it to make it to the finish. You know, and I kind of like it that way. So because you know, sometimes I I remember when I went for trials with Saturn um, uh, to I think it's a tour of Killington somewhere in New York, a very hilly race. Mm-hmm. Um, I was working for those guys. Yep. And I was in the front working and chasing people, and that's what they liked. And I was not holding back and thinking about myself. And that's why, you know, they hired me the year after that. So. And that was in 2001 when you went to Saturn. Yes. And then I, they, I went for trial with them in end of, well, I think summer of 2000, something like that. Because it, it was. It was warm in Killington, you know, New York gets really cold, but it was a nice weather and, and it was perfect, you know. I was there, Tony Cruz was there. I remember Tony Cruz was my translator. <laughs> um, really? I didn't, yeah, I didn't speak any English. I knew a little bit. So he would tell me and I'm like, I got it. No worries. They would tell me the other guys, Chris Wary, Harm, all those guys will come and they're like, they will do signal, you know, to the front. And you kind of know... Mm-hmm. It's kind of like international language, you know? Hey. Yeah. Shades. Hey. And yeah. 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 Hey. Come yeah. on. So you know, right? So you know that they need help. Exactly. I'm dead, you know? So 
So yeah, I would do my job and they were very happy with it. You know, every day they would come after the race because I would come like, you know, in the Grupetto or something like that and they would win the station. When I was arriving to the to the team band, they were already, you know, changing and things. They're like, awesome job, man. I like how you work and this and that. And they would send that info to Tom Schuller. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I got hired because, you know, I was never kind of like a selfish guy, you know? So... So that team, if I remember correctly, had some pretty big names on it too. You had like Tim Johnson. You had I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Was Rasan was part of that team too at some point too? Were you on, teammates with him at the same time? I seem to remember that. Yeah. Yeah. The, he he was in 2001. The same year I got in, he was there. Right. He was coming from Mercury, I think. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, he was there. Um, then yeah, they you know we have the McConnell brothers, uh, mm-hmm. Mark and uh, Mark and Frank. Uh, then obviously Harm Johnson. That he was the one that actually put me in that team because uh, he was the one who came to talk to me in Super Week when I was racing for Cycle Science, and I was racing third, fifth, like every day in the Super Week. I was like top five, top seven, right? So halfway point, he came to me and he's like, "Man, you." Pretty good. Uh, we need a guy like you and our team. We don't have any sprinters. And I'm like, I'm not a sprinter. I say, well, you move really well on the group in, in the sprint. You're always there. So he was actually the one who opens the door for me to get into that. And um, obviously, Chris Wayne was there a few days and he actually put the, his little crane too. Uh, like, you know, like he said, yeah, you're really good. We need a guy like you. And then, you know, they opened the door for me. Yeah. Because all the teams, there was all the teams there, all the pro teams. They, yeah, I was kicking their butt, but no one kind of came to talk to me and, uh, about racing for them. So, yeah. From what I'm get- gathering, that's where you started out to this uh, sprinter into the, into the sprinter stuff. Uh, I come, I didn't, I didn't went, I didn't go, I didn't go to the track anymore. Uh, that's it. Um, and then I started. And I was not training to be a sprinter. I was training like a road rider all around. But like I said, you know, when you come from the track for so many years, it's easy for me to kind of spin at that kind of spe- uh, speed and then finding mm-hmm. the little holes and getting there and getting position. And obviously, when you have a team that's working for you, it makes things a lot easier. Uh, in Super Week, I was finding my own wheel and finding, following whatever I think it was a fast guy or being there, you know. Uh, but you know, when you go into Saturn, I go into Saturn, and then I got the guys Chris Wary, Harm Jones, and the McConnell. They were the last two guys in front of me for the lead out. You know, those guys will put that thing in the last three lap at like 40 plus miles. Who's going to come around? Mm-hmm. Right, right. I have to tie my my bell because they will drop me too. You yeah. know, so yeah, it, may, it makes it easy. But yeah, that's a start getting into well, I guess I'm going to be a sprinter and then. Yeah, sure. Why not? So after Saturn, you transitioned to Colombia Oil, and, and yeah. you raced for them a year, right? A year, yeah, yeah. Saturn, yeah. Saturn and uh, the sponsorship, uh, and they were try- Tom Schuler was trying to find a bigger company or about the same level of a company, but as a main sponsor. But things didn't go as planned, so the team ended, and then uh, everybody went their own direction. Some retire, some all right to find the team, another team. And then I got into uh, 
Colabitabola, uh, back then, and then I did a year. That was a good year, too, for me. Um, I got uh, three seconds in a tour of Georgia. Uh, then I won a few of the races here and there. So, yeah. Was JJ on that team with you? Mm, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He was, he, right? Yeah. yeah, he was there, but he was he was actually coming along. He was, obviously, he's younger than me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he was there. He was there. But you can see, you know, like, when you see riders, you know they're going to be good. Because yeah. the time that they put, how dedicated they are, they're not messing around. So he was kind of one of those riders, you know. Uh, but yeah, he was there. He was stronger, obviously. But yeah, he was there. So then you went to to race for the HealthNet team. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what happened? Well, yeah, I got hired by by HealthNet. Um, Colavita kept going, but I got hired by them. Um, you know, it's like anything else. They pay you more money, and you see there's a good uh, opportunity, then you take it. You know, uh, it have to make mm-hmm. sense for the right. If it doesn't make sense for you, then there's no point to move up, you know? So, sure. So yeah, I got there and then it was, uh, I, go I was there. We have four sprinters in that team. It was a big team. So we got four sprinters. We got Tyler Ferrer, um, Goff Racer, and Henderson, mm-hmm. uh, and New Zealand, and myself. The rest of the team was uh, guys to do lead out, climbers like Scott Honiger, all those guys. Uh, Chris yeah. Weber was there. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it was good. It was, it, was a, it was a really good team. And I, and I liked the way Corbett um, was running things too, you know. He was very easy guy, but very straightforward, um, you know. So, yeah, it, it was a really good team. Um I think after that year, they changed. No, they, I believe half the end, and mm-hmm. somehow, Goldfraser, Mike Sayers, and a group, two or three other guys, they kind of find a way of getting another sponsor, but it was very small team. And then from there, grew up after a few years, grew up into like, uh, I can't remember the name, but it became one of the biggest teams in the U.S. So then after that stint with HealthNet, um, you go on to Toyota United, which right. arguably was the pinnacle of your career. Right. As some yeah. would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the year, the 2006, that was the year that Toyota United came to life. Uh, and, you know, their owner and Harm, which one of the directors, Harm Johnson, they, he helped me and... He helped me to get into, well, they start talking to me and they, you know, like, if we need a sprinter, this is a guy that we need to have. Um, and then, you know, I was living in Los Angeles back then. The owner lived in Los Angeles. Harm was in Los Angeles. So we kind of met together. We met in a restaurant. We talked about what was going to happen with the team, how things were looking. And everything sounds like it makes, was going to make sense for me. Um, and I went for it. Yeah. Yeah, but 2006 was not, it was going to be a really good season for me. The way I was seeing my numbers and things like that when I was getting ready for the season, because the first race was going to be a tour of California. It used to be in February back then. Right. And then Jay, Jay was there with me too. 
uh, in, the, in the team. He got hired too. Um, and then we were training together like every single day because I, I got JJ living in my house. Uh, back then, I told him, "Do if you mm -hmm. really, if you don't have a place to sleep, it's fine. You can come and live with us. It's, it's, <laughs> we have extra room, you know. He, you know, my wife liked him, you know. So we became really, really good friends. Um, so yeah, we were training together almost every year, um, every day. And then I remember that we would come home, and he was like, "Man, you're riding really, really good." Um, and he was riding good, but you know, I was like. And some, sometimes, you know, he will get dropped and then have to come back and get him or, you know, because he was kind of tired. Um, but it seems like it was going to be a really good year. But uh, a week or two weeks, no, a week before the tour of California, I got into an accident with a truck. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I was riding uh, with Jay and Chepe, uh, Jose mm -hmm. Manuel from Mexico. Mm -hmm. um, we went riding, and then uh, in Simi Valley, there's this road uh, that you kind of cross, uh, go across the town. Um, and we were riding one behind another one because we know that road's kind of busy. You know, even they have the bike lane. Um, but we didn't want to beat that guy. It's only like two or three miles long, right? Um, and a lot of light. Somehow, this guy in the truck, came uh us really close he was basically trying to beat the traffic going all over the place and he passes really close but he got caught out in the light he mm. almost take us three down man that's how close wow. he came to us yeah like like the only reason we made it out of that he got into the bike lane too the only reason why we made it because I start yelling, careful, this guy's coming fly by straight to them we kind of moved and I believe JJ jumped into the sidewalk and, and Chepe have to stop and move the bike to the side. And I'm like this, and then but he got caught out in the light. So we got to the light, and we start banging, and he's windshield and screaming because he almost take us down, uh, or basically kill us. Yeah, kill you, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, whatever, we let him go, and then the light turned, and he went really fast, got into a, a gas station, it kind of turned facing us and he drove straight to us. Wow. Yeah, trying to hit us. So we jump off the, yeah, we jump off the bike and somehow you have to stop because the other cars were there, you know, it's starting to move too. And then he's against the traffic and then we start banging the thing again. He basically was looking for trouble. And then I kind of yeah. took my front wheel off and with the fork, I, Push the bike into the front headlight, and then he start going again, and I got caught up between my bike and the front bumper of the car, and somehow hit my knee with the car, and then um, I was lucky enough that he didn't roll me over, but uh, mm -hmm. it, it hit me so hard that uh, messed up my knee, so that put me out of contention for California. And then, yeah, anyways, I ended up suing the guy. We won the case and things like that. And then a lot of people that were driving, they stopped and they start recording. And, and not recording, but they, they, when the police came, they told him, yeah, that yep. guy, is, he's, it's his fault. He's been, they actually told him he's been doing crazy from way back, many lives back. And, mm -hmm. you know, so, but, I, you know, that, that injury kind of put me out of contention for basically half, 
half, the first half of the season. And in a way, it was good because uh, it put J.A. in the right place to win those stages and getting hired to go to Europe. So it was actually a, a blessing for J.A., you know. For him, um, yeah. So it, it was good, you know. He Because who knows if I didn't have that injury, if it's going to be shining that way, you know. Maybe, maybe not. Right. Uh, but yeah, it was good for him. It was good. Yeah, I said, dude, it's on you now, bro. <laughs> I'm home. <laughs> he he went on to CSC, right? Yeah. After that, he went into CSC. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think. Yeah. 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 He won one or two stages, two stages, I think, or three stages, something like that. Yeah. He was good. He was good. Yeah. Yeah. I, you you guys are machines, man. I remember watching that start you guys had in the tour of California, and even though you were injured, you were flying, man, going up that hill to Coit. Yeah, Ta- was it Coit Tower? Yeah, yeah, one of those hills. Yeah, yeah. When you train for that, uh, um, it's easy. I mean, not easy, but you kind of <laughs> more ready than normal people, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, halfway point in the race, I have to stop because my knee was not taking anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, so and it was. You know, February here in California is cold as hell. Uh, yeah. I mean, we don't get snow. Well, actually, we get snow in some places, but not in that, in this part of town. But it gets really cold in the rain. So, and I'm not that kind of rider for that kind of weather. So that was, that was kicking my butt uh, with that injury. And the halfway point of the race in one of the stations that was going from I think it's San Francisco down to uh, San Jose. I don't know. One of those places. I was like, I cannot take this anymore. Monterey, wasn't it? Yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah. So and I, I, I stopped. Yeah, yeah. It, it was, it was painful. Yeah. I remember that year was really cold too because the Santa Rosa stage. It mm-hmm. rained the whole time. The whole time. The whole time. We were out there on the sidelines just drenched my brother and I and I, I we just kept saying these poor guys <laughs> yeah it, it was it was cold every single day almost raining every single day yeah yeah, yeah. and to and today got it down into Los Angeles and I think there was not even that gray it was still kind of like you know like cloudy and kind of like it's gonna rain or not so yeah and it, or you know the Europeans they will come here well, they get invited, but they were like, I thought there was a sunshine stays out, but yeah, not this time of the year. No, no. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. You did a stint with uh, Toyota United, and then you went to Europe. Uh, yeah, I stayed with them for three seasons, and then ends because of sponsorship, and that was when 2008 when the economy got really bad. Uh, the team was the team was set to, um, our budget was $10 million. Yeah. 10 million, something like that for three seasons. And I believe Toyota want to keep going uh, for another 15 million for the next two years or three years, something like that. They want to keep running the program because, you know, we were doing really good. Um, but the economy, the, 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 the recession, the reception hits. And that's the first thing they want to get rid of. They're going to get rid of if it's a cycling team, you know? So they're like right. out. So the thing ended, and then I got into, I signed a contract with, for two years with Rock Racing. But there is a rule that if a Pro Tour team comes to hire you and you decide that you want to go, 
then the a continental team have to let you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when the Fuji Cerveto came through Fuji because uh, I don't want to go. I told him, I told the guys many times that uh, we were talking almost every day. I said, you know, I'm good here. I have to year contrast. I'm too old to go there. I tried to go in 2004 and then work, nothing worked. Um, and now I'm too old. But and then uh, Fuji calls me and they're like, yeah, we need you over there. <laughs> I'm like, well, we need to talk about money then, like everything else. And then uh, they're like, yeah, okay, we can do this. And exactly, we can do this and that. And then my wife, she had Maxi, he was tiny, uh, and she was going to be here alone. So so I decided to give her a try. And it was a mistake, honestly. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was cool in the way because, you know, I got to meet some pretty cool guys, uh, some pretty cool people. Uh, but at the same time, it was a mistake because from there, my career went downhill. They, in the contract, we, my manager and I, we put the in to not go to any of the classics mm. because it's not my kind of race. It's not my kind of weather. So we put in the contract not to send me there. And, oh yeah, sure. No worries. You're not going to, you're not going to go there. We're going to have you only for this race. So they flew me to Spain. Um, then actually I went to down London. It's about to start now in the next few days or so, or what's happening now. So I went to down London. I had an injury from training, trying to get ready for the race. I start having an IT band issue. Yeah. So I'm like, this thing, IT band, you have to rest. You cannot, you have to, you can't play around. So, but I decided to go. And I struggled the whole time. Like if you look in 2009, the results on that race, I'm the last on the GC. Mm-hmm. The last guy on the GC, I was struggling in that race. They were using some kind of creams so they to numb the pain. And I have papers, so they do doping. I can show the, the paper because I was just trying to finish the race. So the Federation of Australia was pretty cool. They understood because they see me every day struggling. Um, they even sometimes they put a cop, a policeman in motorcycle, you know, to come back and check me out right. and see how things, because, you know, the traffic over there is, is ridiculous. Um, yeah, they were, they were pretty cool. They were very, pretty cool people, actually. Um, but, you know, kind of finished the race, came back home, rest a little bit, and I started getting better while the IT van. Uh, and then I went to Spain to race. Uh, it was a, a week-long race. Can remember the name, uh, Vuelta Castile, one of those races. Mm-hmm. And I was getting my form back every day, like even in one of the hilly stages, the team directors, and we start climbing, and I'm there, you know, in the front with Alberto, uh, all these guys, all the big guys, and I'm there, you know, they were not going full gas. Yes, yeah, they were not going full gas, but I'm trying to stay on the front. So when the group is split, at least I'm on the nice group if I get dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- I remember the, the the team director, he came to me after the, uh, doing the race, actually, because I the group kind of split halfway point of the climb, a very long climb, it finished on the top of the climb. And the car came out, we were looking for you for a very long time. We don't know if you got dropped at the beginning or what the heck. So we like worry about you and you like, I'm like, yeah, okay. So I made it to the top and they were like, damn, man, we were looking for you. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get in to finish the same, not to get dropped. So I put all my bullets in that stage. 
um, you know, so yeah. I can make over. And then that's it. The other race, the other stations are not that hard. So, yeah, they were happy to see that that I was, you know, in, in a really good group. Uh, so my phone was coming at all. And on the last day of the race, uh, on Sunday from racing on 80 degrees weather, uh, they came and they say, you got to go to Belgium. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. And the contract said that I'm not doing the classic world. A lot of the athletes have injured, fake injuries. No one wants to go there. Right. So a lot of the a lot of the athletes start saying, oh, my knee problems and this and that. So they're going to send me. I'm the newest one. So they flew me. The, yeah, they packed my bike and they flew from where the station ended. They packed my bike and they drove me to the airport and flew to Belgium. And I got to Belgium and it's like, raining in 30 degrees and I'm like oh this is not good but you know I kind of like okay whatever I'm here now I will do my best it didn't happen and I was for two months in the hotel living in a hotel looking through that stupid window gray every day raining every single day um then uh I would wake up we would go riding for five six hours and the next day you would race 280k you know, it, it was terrible for me. And that's what actually put me in the bad spot after those two months. I was kind of like, this is not that. I was terrible. I was terrible. Yeah, because in Cuba, you, you you don't have that kind of weather in Cuba. No, so. <laughs> no, no, no. Not even here, man. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't race in that kind of weather. So, so yeah, the, after that race, those races in Belgium, that I, this is the thing. Over there, if you finish every race, your form start coming along, mm-hmm. you know, because you have like a day or two days in between every other race, right? Um, but the, those days in between, you're not riding for one hour like people do here. No, they go in, yeah. they do five, six hours again. I'm, so I was not used to that. But I kind of play along, you know, because uh, I'm like, if I'm going to be here, I got to I gotta do what this guy has been doing for years. So, uh, but I was not finishing any of the classics. So I was not finishing the class, the races and it, I was not able to go and ride for five, six hours because I needed to recover from whatever little race I was doing. I was not used to that. So that kind of started bringing my form down and then I was struggling a lot. So, but the good thing is, you know, even Cancelara and those guys, they, they you know, I knew them from racing here and things like that. They're like, <laughs> don't feel bad. I don't like to be here, but turn out that I'm good at it and I'm here. But I'd rather yeah. be racing on the nice weather. You know, like even Josh Incabi told me, dude, I hate racing here, but I'm good yeah. at it somehow. Yeah. But I'd rather be in a different place. You know, so don't feel bad about it. Don't feel because I was not finishing. I was getting upset on myself and they, and I, I get along with George and Cancelar and all those guys and all the Italians. They're like, no, 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 don't feel bad, man. This is how it goes. Mm-hmm. We don't want to. No one wants to race these races, but we, we're good at it, you know? So anyways, then after that, they sent me to a uh, tour of Turkey. Uh, yeah, tour of Turkey. I used, well, it's still, I think, a big race. And then I, I was already having some issues with one of the directors. Um... And then that that race actually put the the cup on top of whatever problem we were having, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, to the point that we, he was very respectful, you know. Like what, according to other riders from different teams, they came to talk to me. 
They're like, with that guy, you're not going to win. No one likes that guy, and we don't even know why he keeps getting hired from every other team. Wow. So people hate that guy. People, there's directors that don't want to work with him. So he would start picking on me. And to the point that we almost got, he was talking behind my back and things like that. Um, and we almost got into a fight, a fist fight. Mm. Uh, but I kind of hold myself. The old Italian guys, they put me back. And then that's when I went out of the team bus. Mm -hmm. And then because the other riders from different teams saw it, and I knew a lot of the Italian from other teams, they came to me and they said, with that guy, you're not going to win. We all know him. A lot of the other guys from different teams know that guy. No one liked him. You're not going to win. So just yeah. leave it alone. Uh, yeah, and then he started creating a big rumor. And then when I got back to Spain, um, I emailed the team, then the main person in the team. And I said, that said, I'm going back to U.S. My last race at Philadelphia with you guys. And they're like, oh, well, you have to come to the office and fly here. And I'm like, fly. If you don't fly me, I'm not spending my money doing that. Um, so... I changed my flight to come to U.S. Mm -hmm. I, I told him straight up, my last race with you guys is going to be Philadelphia. Oh, you cannot do that. He said, watch me. Well, your contract will end. I said, I'm leaving. So they're like, well, you need to come and bring the bike. I'm like, I know where you're going with this, but this bike is mine. Mm -hmm. This bike was sent from, my bikes were sent from Fuji straight to me. It didn't came from you guys. Right. So... Oh, yeah, they were very uptight on that. But I put my foot down. I said, gosh, I'm not an idiot. I'm not, you respect me, and I respect you. So basically, I flew back to U.S. Uh, like two days later. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, they, and that was it. Yeah, and they, yeah, they, they called me, and I said, I told you guys that my last race was going to be Philadelphia. So when you guys get here, we talk about it, and that's the last time you will see me. And, and that was the last time they saw me. They came to Philly. Philadelphia, we did the race and they, they want to sit down. They talk. I say, this guy is an idiot. I'm not here for people to disrespect me. I'm told you guys that I don't want to be here. But the only reason I did it is because Fuji and because respect. I respect the people on Fuji. Mm -hmm. and, it, and obviously I say, and I respect Maxine, the director, because he, he's the director of um, this team that's... Uh, Anyway, he's the main director for that team. He was the main director for me when I was there. And I said, I respect him because I have been following for many years. That's it. But this is my last race. Yeah. And then that was then. And then that's when I went into uh, rock racing. So tell us about the rock racing transition because rock racing was all rock and roll all the time. It was a lot of flash. Tell me about that. Yeah, it was... It was it was a team, if you run it good in the right way, it probably still around, you know? But Michael is a loose cannon. You know, a lot of flashing, a lot of this, a lot of spending when you don't need to do that, right? But he wanted to make it look like everything is big and decent. So when I got there, a lot of the guys were having problems with paycheck. And I'm like, I hope this is not me if I go there. You know, but there was no other team. And I was already, I signed a contract for, uh, with them. So I'm like, if I go back, I have a team. And he actually texted me when I was in Spain. If you decided to come back, you know, you have a room, you have a, you have to stay here. I'm like, yeah, sure. So that would actually help, you know, coming back and have a, a team to race with. Uh, the first three months was fine. 
everything was on time, paychecks and everything. But and then after that, paychecks were not coming in. And I asked the other guy, what's going on? He said, oh, no, he's like that. You got to chase it down. Like, no, that's not supposed to be like mm-hmm. that. We can take him to UCA, UCI Cycling. And they're like, well, you know, no one do it. And that, the people were just riding along with whatever he was doing. But I was there. I'm like, dude, I would text him. My paycheck hasn't come. And you know that we have in the contract day after this. It's going to be late feed and this and that. No, no, it will come. But I'm trying to work something out. I need my money. Because this is what I do for living. You got to eat. <laughs> yeah. It was like that for a few months. And then at the end of 2009, then that's when uh, things went to hell. I think the team kind of disappeared. Yeah. Um, you know, um, the, he, the company Rock and Republic, they have a board and they decided that the cycling team was the first thing that they need to get rid of it because there was too much spending. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess Michael Ball has to roll with that because the majority of the shareholders decided to get rid of the team and there was nothing he can do about it, you know? So he was spending too much money, man. I'm telling you, uh, overpaying. I mean, I would not say overpaying riders because I wish we could make the same money the basketball players make. But he was spending too much money, you know, and things that you actually didn't need. Yeah, it was very telling when the team would pull up in a semi truck, mm-hmm. but there were no mechanics and the yeah. riders would have to do everything themselves. That was very telling for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very obvious that something was. Exactly. But you guys had some heavy hitters on that team. Yeah. I mean, well known yeah, yeah. names in the whole cycling. Yeah, and, and all those guys were having trouble with paychecks and things and getting into races and stuff like that. Yeah. But for people that were not in it, they see everything was running pretty awesome, but it's not like that. It was a lot of issues, like no, no massage person, no, not enough mechanics. Everything was very flashy, but nothing. Uh, yeah, it was hard to run a program like that. Yeah, to be in a program like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, kind of like uh, six months is whatever left from the season. I would do my best, try to get paid, and see what happened. Um, and then after that, then then. James, they used to be Colavita yes. Bola. They changed the name to James out of home, I think. Then I got into that team uh, through Sebastian. There was my director. Yeah, he called me. He's like, if you want a race, we need a, we need, we need a guy like you here. Yeah. And how, how long of a stint did you do with, with them? That was my last year. That was your last year, right? Yeah. Uh, racing, yeah, racing as a pro. Yeah, I told him at the end of this, close to the end of the season, I told him I was not very motivated to train anymore. You know, I was kind of tired. Uh, I was not getting the results that I was expecting, even that I was training and everything, but I was not that hungry, I guess. <laughs> so I told him, you know, to, with whatever you pay me, you can get three guys, three new kids. They're like dying to be in a pro team. Do that. He said, are you sure? Say that uh, actually I we have that shot in that talk on in uh no, I was in Chicago, I think doing one of those races that I told him going back to the hotel in the car. So I said, well, he it was him and myself in the car. 
And I told him, Seba, you might want to find someone for next year because I cannot do this anymore. I'm really tired. Are you sure, man? I got the money to keep you for two years. I'm like, no, no, no. Just open, let that door open for three new kids that would do way better than me and they're dying to be in a pro team. Go for it. And even like a few weeks later, he was like, hey, are you sure the James really wants you? You know, it's, it's not all about results, you know, your name and everything. I'm like, man, I didn't want to do that. I didn't, I didn't want to be there and not having results and they only be like thinking because my name is good for publicity and stuff like that when there's a million, yeah, when there's a million kids are dying to be in a protein, they can be really good at it. So I'm like, just find someone. Uh, I, I don't care who you're going to find, but yeah. So he's like, okay, cool. I understand. We respect that. And then, yeah, that was my last year as a pro. So from there, then you went on to do other endeavors with your sports career. You went into triathletics. Triathlon. Yeah. After that, I took a year off, uh, not doing much. I just running and riding for a little bit, you know, and again, and then that's when Franco, Franco show up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was fine because, you know, I was just like two, a mile, two miles from where the, the, the office was where, uh, so, and I kind of knew those guys from riding around in Westlake and things like that. So we start talking one day and then, yeah, sure. Why not? We can do something about it. And then they had a company that they were working with for a while now, so they, introduced me to that company and then we took we arranged kind of like a contract uh with that company now with franco franco is a buy deal and stuff like that but they connect me with his people and then kind of made it like you know okay i can do this without having to work or anything like that you know like actual job um because i was getting paid for that company there was uh mri MRI supplements or MRI performance, mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. Really good products, really good product. But I think they they changed the formula in one of the products and they, everything went downhill. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I believe the company is still on, still up there. Uh, but the product that I was using from them, it was clean, everything. But somehow they changed the formula and then it was not as kicking they used to be. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was good. It was good writing with them. Um, but yeah, that was one year with him. And then, uh, after that, I kind of, after that, I went into Monse Media. There was also sponsored by MRI. Because mm-hmm. uh, MRI left Franco and it went to Monse Media, a bigger program, master. We used to do a racing with the Pro One. Uh, and it was a bigger program run by Chris DeMarkey. Uh, yeah, he calls me and we talk about it. I say, yeah, sure, why not? And uh, mm-hmm. he had this development team, kind of growing kids, you know, helping kids, and they have the women's program. It was a really cool program by him, you know, Chris and Phil. Uh, so I went into that. I think I did. Uh, that was 2013. And then I won a few races with them, and I was actually I felt like resting. And I was training a lot, putting the time, and then I was actually very motivated. So I start, I start emailing teams here in US. Hey, you know this is what I've been doing. I'm in shape. Think I can. I still have gas in the tank. So 
you know, kind of emailing the teams. No one got back to me. Um, even even companies that I helped to grow uh, in cycling, uh, cycling mm. companies, no one got back to me. It was really hard to see that, you know, you spent so many years helping all these companies. You think the loyalty is going to be there. There's no loyalty in any team. Like I said, I emailed a lot of the teams. No one got back to me. I'm like, okay, well. And that's when I start having a little bit of a taste of the bad apple in cycling when it comes to loyalty. And that's why I kind of got away from that. Whatever I know about cycling nowadays is because I see it on Instagram that people post about it or someone send me a video, stuff like that. But me going into cycling news and stuff like that, I see, no. I completely disconnect from all that. I completely disconnect from what are the teams in U.S., who's racing, because that thing that happens to me, the, the, the loyalty was not there, you know? So, yeah, it, it's it's bad. It's bad, yeah. So you don't really keep track then of the state of, of the current cycling calendar in the U.S. then. What about the European calendar? Do you ever catch any of those races? Not even that? Not even that. Not even that. I know... The tour, nothing like that? I know the tour in those races when they come because it's the same time of the year. So I'm like, oh, the Tour de France. And, and again, yes, there's, I follow a few of the pages, mm -hmm. but I don't go there to see what they're doing. It just pop up in my thing. Oh, okay, let me follow, but I don't even know what they're posting. So uh, it's just when they pop up, so, oh, shoot, the Tour de France just started. Okay, good. And then, you know, and I go, I kind of yeah. see a few videos, what's going on, and I make a joke about it, but... Now, because I'm constantly checking who's winning, who's the best rider in U.S., what are the best teams, what are the best teams in, in the Tour de France. Um, obviously, you know, because it's all over the internet. Um, but now, because I'm very following cycling like other people do. Um, mm -hmm. and, and again, it has to do with that bad taste that I got when I was looking uh, actually, I was looking for team after the I, after James. I took a year off, and then I started riding a little bit more with Frank and things like that. And I was riding pretty good. I started looking for teams, and again, I mailed a bunch of teams, people that I knew. They were directors. They were my teammates, but they were directors. But after that, nothing. No one got back to me. I'm like, okay, I guess I'm not American enough to be in any of these teams. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, and then I tried again when I was racing for Chris DeMarkey, and again, no one came back. I'm like, okay, whatever. I guess there is no loyalty, you know. The only people that actually helped me out was Fuji. Um, they sent me bikes and stuff like that. Louis Garneau, <laughs> uh, a lady that used to work with him, they, um, you know, she helped me out with shoes, helmets, uh, clothes, so I don't have to buy this stuff. Uh, but like you say, you know, it's only a handful of people that will help you out. The rest, it doesn't matter what you did for them, they will not even email you back. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why nowadays uh, it takes me a lot to actually go and ask company to work with me, you know? So if you look at, I, I was trying to find gravel bikes and stuff like that, uh, Fuji got sold. So the people that I used to deal with them, they don't have that kind of power anymore. And a lot of them left. Uh, so it's a new company that owns Fuji. Uh, even like that, the lady is still helping me out when she can. Um, yeah, wheels, 
yeah, it, it was hard to find. But um, the bike that I have now is because there's a page that I follow online and, and you know, I kind of like whatever they post. And then one day we start talking through uh, uh, private messenger and the guy, you know, he's like, oh, I kind of knew a little bit about you. If you want to do something, anything that I can help. And, but there was a, a guy that I didn't even knew about it. And he's the mm-hmm. one actually extending his hand to help me out. The company that knew me that I win races for them and stuff like that, nothing. Yeah. Nothing at all. They were, they, and that's what I tell a lot of the kids and people nowadays. Enjoy as much as you can and save as much money you can from this cycling thing because when it's over, it's over. Okay? It's really hard to find these people to help you out. And sometimes I have to do is the budgeting, you know, a lot of the companies, they cut budget and they cannot even send you anything, you know. Um, but I think I was not anybody. I was winning a lot of races and putting their name there, you know. At least you can do it. Email me back. I cannot do anything, you know. Mm-hmm. Give me a few months or call me around June or you like. Maybe we can do something. But not even that, you know. Mm-hmm. Not even that. Like, I was talking with... Um, uh, what's her name? Uh, she worked for Chimano. Um, ah, guy, she helped me. She's going to kill me because I forgot her name. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, she's like, Ivan, you came really late, man. I'm really sorry. She used to rate my time. She was really good. Uh, really, really good. Um, and she's like, call me, email me, stay in touch for next year. We have, uh, we got a lot of, the budget got very small. We have to cut a lot of writers out and then we feel bad about it, but we definitely like you. You know, I think you do good and you're really good at social media and things like that. So I really appreciate people like that, you know, even if they cannot help him, but they tell you, call me or stay in touch, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. A little loyalty, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, she she's from that back time that the people were very loyal nowadays. It's not like that. Yeah, it's 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 a weird time right now in in, in cycling, uh, especially mm-hmm. during and after the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of big question marks in the cycling industry, and so as a result of that, you see it in the in the racing calendar. It's not like it was back when you were, you know, yeah, hammering away. No, 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 no. It's less racing. Yeah, it's less racing. A lot of the good races are gone. Uh, California is not there anymore. A lot of the cringe races that used to be really good, and uh, we used to have like 150 riders, those races are not there anymore. Uh, and a lot of the things that are happening nowadays, I think it has to do with social media as well. Uh, yeah. Because uh, in a way, I'm an influencer. Um, but there is also, and it's fine with me. I'm glad that they're doing it and people are taking advantage of it, right? Uh, but social media changed that because, for example, if I go to, I don't know, Chimano or Shramp or whatever, and I want to work with them and then put something together, they can we can get benefit out of that. Uh, and then, I, okay, you got to pay me 40K a year to do this. And they're like, well, why do I have to pay you 40K? When I get millions of people tagging and hashtagging our company without us paying them and they're buying their parts. Yeah. And then you see all these influencers with a hundred and something, two hundred, three hundred thousand followers that they ride bikes and they're tagged, hashtag, 
and they're not getting paid. They're buying their own parts, but they're still tagging and doing this for those companies. And the company, I'm like, why do I have to pay you when I get these people doing it for free? Right. And we don't even talk to those people. Right. So, but you know, everybody do their hustle, 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 right? The best way they can. So it's fine for these influencers. You know, it's not a matter. It's not like I'm bad with them. It's just like they change the way they work for professionals. Yeah. You know, and that's why sometimes I, I pose as a joke. You don't need to bring your bike to the podium. You're not getting paid to do that. You just pay 10 <laughs> right. grand for that bike. Why do you have to put it in the podium? <laughs> Free publicity? But hey, whatever. That makes you happy go for you. I just make jokes about it. But, it, but it, I make a joke about it. But if you really think about it, it's no point to it. You spend 10K on a bike. You buy your own registration fee. You buy your own clothes. You win a catfight race. Why do you have to give that free publicity? Right. You know, but they don't see it that way, you know. And it is what it is. It, we have to adapt. You know, things are changing. We have to adapt. Professionals have to adapt. We, I, I at, at, well, a while back, I kind of, I'm like, you know, there's influencers. So it's fine. If they want to post and they get water bottle for free and they want to post about it, fine, you know. But kind of messed up the program for a lot of the ex-pro and professionals, you know. Right, right. That actually did go out there and grind it out, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, if a pro and ex-pro now, for example, if I want to race travel only and I want to get a company to pay me 40, 50K to do that and go in a Strava and put segments and stuff like that, like, well... I don't want to, I cannot pay you that much because there's a million people doing it for free, uh, but I can give you 10 grand. What the heck I'm going to do with 10 grand? That's a long <laughs> registration. That thing is going to go away. <laughs> right. You know, so it makes it hard. It makes things hard. And that's why nowadays I'm just going with the flow, you know. Uh, I do a race when I came. Uh, I mean, I tried to post as much as I came for the company. They're actually helping me out, uh, but they know. They know that, you know, if yeah. I go to a race, and they even tell me, you know, the, the stage guy, uh, David, he told me, just go there and have fun, man. I was in uh, WVR, right? That's the name of the gravel race. And, yeah. Yeah, in, in San Diego, right? And he was there, and then the whole, he's, he had kind of like a club. They were there. I'm like, no, no, I'm here to play. So he's like, no, 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 no. Enjoy the ride, man. Don't worry about it. Just this is for fun. Just do it for yeah. fun. So he knows, you know. Um, but it's good to go to some races because you know you put the bike. And that's why nowadays too, I try to go to more like a Grand Fondos and Centuries and stuff like that because those are the people that are actually buying his bike, you know. So yeah, yeah. Everything for me nowadays is fun. Uh, I did triathlon as a pro, and it was cool, uh, but. I was not the best at it. I got the pro license because I found a way to get to a race and then I qualified for the pro license. I got it. Um, but there was nothing like the few sponsors that I had, they were not demanding much, you know? Yeah. Well, Ivan, thanks so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. It's been great talking to you. Um, no problem. No problem. And I wish you the best in all your endeavors. Thank you. And I wish you, uh, you know, straight roads with no crazy drivers. Yeah. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> Folks, 
that's a wrap for the homie hub stay chill stay curious and i'll catch you on the flip side